welcome to another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. At the time of recording this, I am only three days away from watching the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And hopefully watching the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So as I've done in the past, I'm not going to jinx this episode by starting with the Who Day chant like I've done in previous episodes. But if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, I will be sure to put the chant at the end. If not, I'll find something sad and woeful. Now, I won't even really be upset if they lose. The fact that they made it to the Super Bowl in the first place wasn't supposed to happen. Maybe in a few years for this team, but not this year. So either way, I am really going to enjoy Sunday, and I will leave myself enough time after the game to plug in that, hopefully, the chant and get this uploaded before Monday morning. So we'll see. When you listen to this, it will be decided. Right now, yet to be decided. So one quick update Uh, recently, I believe it was just the last episode that I was talking about doing my DIY guide and changing my front brakes and the debacle that that turned into. And then because I was running out of time because of the debacle, I essentially only replaced the pads and not the rotors with it because that would have just doubled the work. However, when you're just replacing pads, you're trying to kind of visualize some of the stuff that you're doing because if you don't have a car on a lift, you can't exactly see behind the road very well as to where you're putting the pad in. I don't know what I did or what happened, but my brakes have been a little squealy since I changed them. What I'm guessing is there's these little tiny retainer clips that kind of help keep the brake pad in the groove that it slides into. And it's possible a little tip of one of these clips is kind of pushing out, hitting my rotor. I'm stopping fine, don't worry. But it is annoying and I don't like it. So once again, another great turnout from the DIY guy. So the last thing I want to talk about really quick before we get to our topic today is a pretty significant or decent snow slash ice storm that we got last week. Late last week, this would have happened the day and then the next day after I had already recorded the previous episode, so I couldn't really report on this at the time. We already knew, I'm sure a lot of the country, at least in America, for my American listeners, a lot of you got hit with this storm because it was apparently ginormous and damn near blanketed the entire nation at one point in time or another. What we were supposed to get was basically like a little bit of sleet and freezing rain for an hour or two and then just like eight inches of snow on top of that. That would have been fantastic. Instead, the sleet and the freezing rain and the ice or whatever the hell was coming down came down for hours and hours and hours. And then we got, oh, I don't know, a couple inches of snow on top of that. So trying to shovel your driveway is an impossibility. I've discussed this on a past podcast that this is one of the least favorite scenarios from my perspective when it comes to having to shovel the driveway because I went out and tried, but all I did was brush about an inch or two of powder off the top of this just four inches of frozen snow and ice packed down. When I back out of my driveway, it's literally like I'm going up onto a raised surface because it is. It's like hitting a speed bump. And unfortunately, the temperatures haven't really cooperated in order to melt the stuff significantly. I've noticed some of my neighbors have managed to chip through their driveway and get it down to the asphalt. I have not. Granted, I haven't tried. I'm just going to let nature take its course. It's going to be in the mid-50s, middle of next week. So at some point in the near future, my driveway will be, finger quotes, shoveled or rather just melted. But the other day, we did get a slight warm-up and some sunshine. That just made things worse because now all this stuff 
kind of melted on the surface a little bit, and that water went down into that ice and just solidified it even further. It filled all the little pores and the holes in that ice, those little microscopic holes, and it just became more compact. There are so many surfaces out there right now that it feels dangerous to walk on. It looks like a snow pile, but it is just a big glob of white ice. Thank you, Ohio. Luckily, this has been a pretty mild winter here in central Ohio. And looking at like the two-week forecast in my weather app, it looks like we might have one day that we might get a 40% chance of snow with no accumulation expected. Other than that, we're going to start getting warmer days where it will at least be warm enough to rain, which is fine with me. Oh, and thinking of slipping and falling and busting my ass or my head, one thing that I forgot I wanted to bring up was today, I want to say, they released the cause of death for Mr. Bob Saget, the comedian and TV personality who died recently, just oddly was found in his hotel room dead. In bed, nothing out of the ordinary. But it turns out that he had hit his head, the back of his head, on something. I don't, that hasn't come out yet. Maybe no one knows. Maybe no one was with him when that happened. And apparently, just didn't think that much of it. He didn't go to a hospital or a doctor. I'm sure he can afford it if he felt like it was necessary. And he laid down in his bed in his hotel room after a comedy show and died, which harkens me back to the memory of my fall in October when I took a big tumble off of a tall chair landing square on my staircase in my house, my head taking a big all whack. And I've gotten into detail on this in the past, but, you know, as you may remember, I think I may have been knocked out. I I can't be for sure. All I know is I remember starting to fall, and then I remember looking up at the ceiling. Maybe it all just happened so fast that I don't have any recollection of actually hitting, or maybe I hit and a brief period of time went by before I was conscious enough to realize what was going on. However, the next day, I mean, I went to bed that night, but that made me think of this. It's like, damn, Bob Saget hit his head, didn't think that much of it, went to bed, never woke up. I'm glad I woke up the next day, but I will say that I woke up not remembering going to bed. I don't remember what I did before bed, so it was a pretty big boo-boo on my noggin. So luckily for me, I did not suffer Bob Saget's fate, but that just also sucks even more because Bob Saget was funny as hell, and from everything I've heard from all the comedians that talk about him, and I've heard him on radio shows over the years, that he was just like the nicest guy. So it's it's such a loss in the first place, but just the fact that it was something so bizarre as him just hitting his head and consciously continuing his night until he went to bed and laid down and just never woke up. I mean, I guess if you're going to go, that's not a bad way to go, but it just sucks. All right, I'll stop being Debbie Downer now. So the topic we're going to discuss today, or the title of the podcast, Ooh, That Smell. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember why I came up with the idea for this topic. As I've brought up in the past, I have a whole bunch of different kind of topic ideas and quick bullet points in the notes app in my phone that I've done over previous months and just haven't gotten to yet. And I'm going to be quite honest. I've had a very busy week and nothing else has popped to mind that's current. And this was the one that I thought I could make the most of in short order. 
But it is pretty crazy how much smell impacts so much of our lives. I mean, it's like you think about taste, and we've all heard that, you know, basically without a sense of smell, your taste is diminished or gone, as I'm sure a lot of people experienced. Supposedly, that was a big thing with COVID and getting COVID was you would lose your sense of taste or smell or both for prolonged periods of time, weeks, sometimes months. Sometimes, I guess some people just didn't recover. That sucks. But we all think about, you know, sight and sound. You know, if if you asked anyone on the street and said, what would you rather be? Would you rather go through life blind or would you rather go through life without a sense of smell? I'm sure most people would say, I want my sight. Same thing with hearing. They would want their hearing over their sense of smell. And who knows, maybe without a sense of smell, you might actually be able to live a healthier lifestyle because you could still eat, but if you don't taste it, now you can eat all the stuff that tastes like shit. You know, the stuff that's good for you. And while it is rare, you don't really hear about people that have a specific disease or disorder that would cause them to not have a sense of smell, but it happens just like blindness, just like deafness. And I did a very quick research. Again, I'm under the gun on time here to get this podcast recorded and edited and produced because Sunday night after the Super Bowl, Jeffy probably won't be doing much productive work. But the research that I could find quickly would indicate that there are more people, not a ton more percentage-wise, but there are more people in this world that suffer from a lack of smell versus the people that suffer from deafness or blindness. That's interesting because you don't really hear about it, yet that population is greater. In fact, I want to say that you might be able to combine both deaf and blind people and the number of smellless people, I don't know what you would call that, would outweigh both of those. Don't quote me on that. I'm trying to just remember some of the figures that I saw. I didn't write this shit down. But I know for me, well, and I guess for everyone, it's been scientifically proven that smell is the number one memory trigger. And I've always known that. I didn't need science to tell me because I will smell certain things. And I will have almost what you would consider like a moment of deja vu where I could be standing in my garage And I could smell something that instantly makes me feel like I'm standing in the living room of my childhood home doing something specific. Because that smell triggered a specific memory. And it is so rich and vivid, filled with visuals and imagery. It's short-lived. It's very fleeting. But that's odd. And coupled with the smell, it feels like more than a memory. Because there is some physical component. It's not just going back into the database in your brain and pulling out a memory. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to go through what some of the most commonly enjoyed and disliked smells are in the world. And then I'll kind of discuss some of my personal ones that may not be on that list. But I will tell you that a lot of those personal smells are super memory triggers for me. And maybe that's why I like those smells, because I like revisiting those memories so vividly, even if so briefly. Can't you smell that So obviously, if we're going to discuss smells on this episode, and if you know me well enough at this point, you know we're going to discuss poo-poo and pee-pee and farts. So let's just get right to it. Yay! So one thing in that regard, in regards to bodily waste, would be like public or shared bathrooms or even like porta-johns. I mean, porta-johns are always straight up nasty. If you walk into a clean porta-john, just the smell of the chemical, whatever that shit is that you're pissing and shit into stings the nostrils that already 
is a horrible smell. I mean, it's almost like they're saying, we know that we're about to just basically have a large, massive communal pile of shit and piss coming into this hole. So we're going to hit you with a stench that far outweighs the offensiveness of the giant, massive communal pile of shit and piss. Thank you, Portageon people. But as bad as Portageons are, it's also, you know, you walk into a Portageon knowing this ain't going to be pleasant, but I really got to go. So you're prepared a little bit. That might make it not quite as bad. I don't remember what it was like the first time I went into a Portageon, but I have to imagine it was quite nightmarish because I was not prepared. You know, another aspect, again, like whether you're in a corporate office and you have, you know, like a men's room that's got multiple stalls and it's just always weird. I've discussed this, but it's always weird when you just go into a restroom to take a piss at a urinal and you see feet, you know, someone's in the stall and it's like, please, please just wait until I leave. Just hold that next nugget in for me just a little bit longer. Let me wash my hands, hear the door close, and then you can splatter that bowl as much as you want. But some people just don't care, or they have to go so bad that they just can't hold it in. But if you walk into a public restroom, like in a restaurant or a gas station, and it's a smaller restroom and there's less people in there to potentially use it, and you walk into an empty restroom, that right there is the easiest way to instantly determine the cleanliness of the restroom. And more times than not, the restroom smells well, like a place where people make poo-poo and pee-pee. It is very rare to walk into a restroom, a public restroom, and be like, Oh, lavender. I'm looking forward to destroying that lavender scent with a 14-minute session on the ball. And let's be honest, a lot of times, if you have to take a shit in a public restroom, you really have to take a shit. I'm sure most people don't enjoy or prefer that over shitting in the comfort of their home. Sometimes we don't always have that convenience. And I've been in that situation where I'm in a stall making a dookie. And usually when that's happening and in a more emergent situation, that dookie might not be as healthy as I'd like it to be. Which means there's a chance that it's going to kick up just a bit more stank. And nothing's worse than sitting in there and just bathing in the vaporous fumes of filth wafting up from the bowl and knowing that you're forcing everybody else who walks into this bathroom for at least the next 30 minutes to endure the pungent nature of your butthole and your innards. And on the flip side, I don't like walking into the bathroom and having to smell another person's butthole and innards. It's just like farts, you know, farts. It's a lot easier to be more acceptable of the smell of a fart that is your own fart versus other people's farts. I'm sure there's a lot of similarity in the smell of farts from person to person. However, there's just something about it being someone else that makes it different. And you know, just like that hot 14-minute splatter session of an emergent nature, you know Know something's wrong in your belly when you blast your own fart just sitting there by yourself and instantly are like I have to move I have to go to a different area of the house this is too bad even for me that's when you know it's time to maybe see the doctor and yes diet and all these different things can affect the frequency of farting the flavor of the fart I'll be honest I am primarily farty in the morning it's very rare that I need to fart after you know the first hour of being awake very rare unless I were to eat something that would really prompt some fiarts. However, that first hour, watch out. (laughs) 
it basically sounds like someone is letting the air out of a balloon in a rapid pace over and over and over and over. And usually those really aren't super stinky. But, and I know this is TMI, I'm a morning pooper. If I have to leave the house earlier than normal on any given day, I make sure that I set my alarm and give myself time to push out some fudge logs. Can't you smell that Because if I don't, inevitably, on the drive to where I'm going or in the first hour of wherever I'm at, I'm going to need a public restroom. It won't be emergent, but it will be uncomfortable. And if I'm not going to be home for another 8, 9, 10 hours, well, at some point, it's probably going to become emergent. But the whole point of me bringing that up, you're welcome, is to point out that one of the reasons that my early morning toots probably aren't a stank is because one of the first things I do when I wake up is walk to the toilet and make a deuce. So I'm not pushing the gas past this, you know, chocolate factory. Instead, I'm just letting off some steam. But as I said, it is definitely weird, you know, the smell of someone else's fart. If you smelled someone else's fart and you had both eaten the same diet and followed all the same habits and schedules for several days and then both let out a fart, to each other, your farts would not smell the same to a third party. Who knows? I mean, this might be an interesting experiment. I'm not sure who wants to partake in something like that. I mean, don't sign me up, but maybe someone. Who knows? But that could just be a matter of perception or, again, detachment. But it's also kind of like, you know, dog and cat farts. If you've ever owned a dog or a cat and have had one of them fart in your presence, sometimes you don't hear it, but you definitely smell it. And it's usually pretty rancid. I don't know that I've ever heard my cat's fart. I've smelled them. But my dogs I've definitely heard and it's usually like just a little it's like just they're whispering they're telling you a secret come closer daddy I want to tell you a secret But on the flip side, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is weird, but I would think that this is actually probably more normal than most people would think. But, like, the smell of the pads of an animal's paws, like a dog or a cat, I mean, you're still just smelling feet. And I'm sure it's not necessarily what would typically be considered a pleasant odor if you just jarred it and had someone smell it without it being attached to this cute, adorable, fluffy creature. But it's not uncommon to actually enjoy the smell of that, like a baby feet. My mom used to do that with me when I was a little kid and we would wear those stupid ass footy pajamas that was like a one piece overall zip up made out of shag carpet and polyester. And then at the bottom where your feet were, it was just like plastic. And boy, would your feet sweat in those sons of bitches. And I remember, this is a weird memory to have as a kid, but her sitting on the edge of the bed in the morning or when I was going to bed and she'd, you know, just laughingly take my sweaty plastic covered footy pajama feet and hold them up to her nose and act like she was smelling them and go, oh, your feet smell to high heavens. And I would laugh and she'd do it again and I would laugh again. And it was just a nighttime ritual. But I assure you that my feet probably put off a bit of a sweaty foot odor because that's what it was. But as my mom, to her, it wasn't necessarily offensive. Again, maybe it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't offensive. Same with the whole dog feet thing. But it's just like, you know, the smell of a dog, a wet dog, a dirty dog, a long haired dog. We've all gone into houses of people where their house, as soon as you walk in, 
Kitten smells like dog. Not cute little puppy feet. I'm talking just straight up, ugh, dog. But it's weird because these people that live in that house, they pretty quickly grow to not even notice the smell because they're around it so often. So their brain almost can kind of shut that off. Again, just very weird how our mind can actually control how we react to a smell that should otherwise be pleasant, how our mind can allow us to at least tolerate or sometimes even enjoy a smell that emanates from our own body, that the identical smell from someone else's body would be vile. That's just weird, people. I don't really have a point. Just saying, it's a little kookaburra. But also along those lines is like relationships or intimacy. I think, I do absolutely think and believe that there is a chemistry, especially of smell and scent that is important for a relationship to thrive. And I'm sure over time, you know, it's like a child or a pet where once you are with someone so long, you've gotten used to the scent or it's just not as offensive or you just love that person so much that mentally your mind does not find it as offensive. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. Some days when I'm out and about for 10, 11 hours before I come home with shoes on the whole time, oftentimes walking around a lot, when I get home and kick those shoesies off, it's not uncommon for me to be thinking, my feet are putting out some stank. I can smell my own feet. It's not pleasant. Tolerable, but not pleasant. But again, I'm sure that there would be, you know, members of the opposite sex that, you know, say I'm dating someone and one person might find the smell of my feet revolting after a long day. One person might not be as bothered by it. So just from person to person, how we interpret the same smell, again, very goofy. But yes, it is very important with an intimacy, especially. Don't worry, mom, I'm not going to get too graphic on this. But yes, we all do put off certain natural smells musks or whatever, pheromones. In addition to that, different people use different lotions with different scents or non-scented, different hand soaps, different deodorants, body sprays, shampoos, body washes, perfumes, colognes. I'm I'm not an anti-perfume cologne guy. I've heard more and more over the years from people that apparently aren't a big fan. As long as it's done in moderation and it's just not overpowering the room, I don't mind if someone's wearing a scent, man or woman, that I can smell when I'm having a relatively close interaction or conversation with that person, but as soon as I walk away, I don't smell it anymore. That's fine. I was, you know, also raised by a a father who wore cologne or aftershave, and I always enjoyed that. There was just something about that smell of that aftershave, or maybe even just the smell of the shaving cream itself after a shave. A fragrant fragrance, if you will, for lack of better terminology, which clearly that couldn't be worse when it comes to terminology, but also, you know, that smell of cleanliness, stuff like that. But that applies when you're considering being in a relationship with someone or you are in a relationship with someone. You have to like how they smell. I have dated women who they didn't smell bad. I just didn't care for it. And it's not something I could put my finger on. But you also don't want to say to that other person, hey, would you mind changing your fragrance or your lotion or whatever it is that stank that's wafting off of you? Would you mind changing that up a little bit? That's rude, especially to now a person that you're in a connected relationship with or someone that you care or that cares for you. Those words are going to sting. So you're just kind of stuck dealing with it. Can't you smell that smell? 
So in my opinion, yes, smell absolutely has a huge impact on the longevity of relationships and whether some relationships take place in the first place or last very long. So before I wrap this up with some of the most hated and also the most enjoyed scents or smells in the world, I want to discuss a few quick things that I didn't really have enough to bullet point out, but clearly are things that are relevant to this discussion. The first thing, and a very obvious thing, would be skunks. I live in, I guess, what you could call a rural area. It's starting to expand out here, but it's not uncommon to see live animals crossing roads, main roads right by my neighborhood. And a couple years ago, two, three years ago, I don't remember exactly, maybe longer, maybe four years, but I was driving home. It was, I don't know, 11, 11.30 at night on this main road that my neighborhood turns directly off of. But again, on each side of this road, cornfield and cornfield. So relatively Rural. Rural. And at the time, so yeah, this had to be longer ago because this was when I still was driving the Mini Cooper before my son Skylar started driving. And I remember that I was in the Mini Cooper because a skunk ran out into the road. And this is like a 50 mile an hour road. So I was probably going like 55 or 60 because again, it's a rural area and I wasn't as concerned with coppers. And this skunk ran out and it, it just was not reaction time. It literally... Well, here's what happened. It ran out, it froze, it started to run back toward the side of the street, so I kind of started to veer to the left, and then it changed its mind and ran in the opposite direction toward the middle of the street, and I destroyed this thing. And being a Mini Cooper, it's a very low-profile car, so I'm guessing as I went over the skunk, it just dragged its innards and stank all over the underside of the car. And I will tell you, for weeks... My garage and my car smelled like skunk. So if you see a skunk on the road, I would highly recommend doing everything you can to avoid it. Otherwise, you're going to have a pretty stanky vehicle for a while. Can't you smell that smell? Another thing smell-related that fascinates me is asparagus pee. I never tried asparagus up until maybe 10 years ago. Just wasn't really something that was part of the typical meal planning in the Schaefer household when I was growing up and just never had a desire to eat it and probably wasn't really exposed to it much in my 20s and early 30s. But I do really enjoy asparagus, but it's so weird. And I guess people are different, but my pee, within minutes, oh boy, does that smell like asparagus plus urine. It is very funky. It weirds me out. I know it's going to happen, and I still eat the asparagus regardless. That must mean I really like asparagus if I'm willing to take the punishment of every pee that I take for the remainder of the day. But it's just so weird how asparagus has such a dramatic impact on the smell of your pee, but I can't really think of anything else that I've ever eaten or drank that changes the flavor. Well, not the flavor, the smell of my pee. I'm not drinking pee, people. Don't worry. So anyway, asparagus pee, totally weird. Another thing that I will tell you that I hate is what's called the calorie pear tree. C-A-L-L-E-R-Y. Not like calories that you eat. The calorie pear tree is also referred to by some as the sperm tree because as you walk past it, it smells like the floor of a porn studio. In most instances that I've ever been around one of these trees, it's been somewhere where it was clear that it was planted because it looks nice from a landscaping perspective. It's a nice accent to an area or a park. Maybe it just shot up naturally, but anyone who willingly plants a calorie pear tree for any reason 
anywhere you have problems. And I hear there's several porn studios in Southern California looking for a janitor. The last random thing I will discuss smell-related is something I heard about recently being talked about on some show. It's called the durian. It's a fruit and it's native to Southeast Asia and is often considered by many in that region a delicacy, a delightful treat to eat. However, the odor is most often compared to a combination of turpentine, rotten onions, and sewage. Yummy! But apparently the taste, which I don't understand how the smell and the taste can be so different, but the taste is apparently sweet and custard-like. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't want anything custard-like going into my mouth, coming out of something that smells like turpentine, rotten onions, and sewage. In fact, the smell of this fruit is so pungent and so strong and so nasty that the durian fruit has been banned on public transport in both Thailand and Singapore. However, if you want to float a gasser on the subway, totally okay. This is one of those things that almost makes me curious, like, I want to smell it. That's another weird thing. Like, you know it's going to be bad, but you almost want to smell it just so you know how bad it smells. But the the custard-like center, I don't know if it's stanky once it's been, like, prepared, but it's very common in like cakes and cookies and candies. Because like I said, they say the taste is sweet. I don't understand how that works. My brain cannot compute how something can taste so dramatically different from the smell. I would imagine if you're eating it as a fruit, like you would any other fruit, as you put it up to your mouth, you have to smell essentially the devil's butthole in order to get that custard-like filling into your mouth, which I would assume would instantly be relatively unappetizing. So that's goofy, but if I was ever around a durian fruit, I would absolutely at least give it a whiff. I don't know that I would eat it unless someone had scooped the stuff out and prepared it in a way that I didn't have to smell the fruit itself while eating the custard-like filling. So last here on this episode, as I mentioned, we're going to discuss some of the most hated and some of the most loved smells. And I will tell you that I got this list from a survey that was done by a radio station, 97.3 The Dog, D-A-W-G. It's a country station in, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Acadiana. I have no idea where that is. I didn't do any further research to find out what state that's in, but I at least want to make sure I give them credit because this is from their survey that was posted on their website. So based on that survey, here are the top 10 smells that are loved by people. Not necessarily in order, I don't think. I'm just going to give them to you. We have fresh baked bread, bacon, fresh cut grass, coffee, a cake baking, the ocean, fresh clothes from the dryer, meat cooking, that's weird, fried food, and fresh flowers. I mean, flowers, that seems obvious. But of the 10 items on this list, six of them are food. And I'm not going to disagree with a lot of these if I had to make a top 10. Maybe I should have done that in advance before looking this up. Like, what would I think my top 10 are? Like, in hindsight, I see bacon and it's like, oh yeah, I like bacon. But then they also said later, meat cooking. Can't you smell that smell? I mean, bacon's one thing because it has a very specific odor. But just cooking meat, I guess it depends on the meat. 
not saying it smells bad, but I don't know that I would call it like something that I would want to hang an air freshener in my car. I can't decide. Do I want vanilla, ocean breeze, or meat cooking? I'm going to get the meat. But I'm sure there's also plenty of people who there are certain things on this list that, again, the weirdness uh, and the polarity between individuals that hate the smell of fresh cut grass. I love it. Whenever, especially because I live in a more rural area, a lot of times there's big fields that are being mowed by these big like commercial lawnmowers. And every time I see that going down when I'm driving down the road, I open every window in the car and I bask in that smell. Love it. Don't love it as much when I'm the one actually cutting the grass, just because I'm not a big fan of cutting the grass. The ocean, you know, again, that's another one of those, would I want that bottled up in something that was the smell in my house or in my car? I like the smell of the ocean, but that is also more of a stimulative response to also the visual stimulation that accompanies being at the ocean. The sound of the waves, there's so much audio, visual, smellular, I don't know what that word would be, but stimulation that's all taking place at once. So again, I'm not sure I would put that in my top 10. I will say that probably, I can't say this is my favorite smell ever, but it has to be one of the top and it's not on this list. It would be spring or summer rain. And that rain, it could be anywhere. It could be in a parking lot. It could be in the woods. There's something about warm weather air and the smell of the rain kind of, and just whatever, it's like putting salt on food, and it just, all salt really does is enhance the flavor of any food that you put it in. And it's almost like the rain is enhancing the smell of everything it's landing on around me. That's why it doesn't matter to me where I'm at, but boy, do I love the smell of spring or summer rain. Probably, preferably spring rain, but I would say that spring rain is most definitely one of my biggest memory triggers of all. And maybe that's why I like it so much, because I enjoy those quick little vivid memory triggers. So, to the top 10 most hated smells in the world, based on this survey by 97.3, the dog. Many of them are clearly very obvious. We have garbage, drains, body odor, sewage, vomit, spoiled milk, rotting food, public bathrooms, dirty diapers, and old shoes. The old shoes, that's specific. I'm kind of wondering why they didn't say feet. Because if you have old shoes that stink so bad that you're complaining about it, that means they're still sitting around, which means there's a good chance the person who owns them is still wearing them, and I would imagine that the actual foot that goes into the shoe, in addition to being surrounded by that stank-ass shoe all day long, that foot is putting out its own stank, which is what caused the shoe stank in the first place, so I would have to imagine that the foot that was in that shoe after it comes out of the shoe is markedly worse than the shoe itself. If you have stank-ass shoes, please go buy new shoes and discard those shoes immediately. But again, while while the majority of this list of the hated smells seems pretty obvious, I actually think that most of them are ones that you won't really encounter that often. I mean, garbage? How often are you smelling garbage? I mean, I guess if you're in a line of work where you have to take stuff to a dumpster on a daily basis or, you know, you're a garbage man. But for the average person that's not in that situation, hopefully whatever trash receptacles are in your home or your work, they're getting changed frequently enough that you don't have to smell the garbage rotting inside of it. Drains, that's another one. I mean, yeah, after time, a drain can get stinky, but how often are you exposed to a stank drain? Sewage, another one. I mean, I guess 
because if you want to qualify the duties that come out of you, sewage, to an extent it is sewage just before you've put it in the sewer, but never really exposed to sewage. Vomit and spoiled milk. Not really exposed to those on a regular or if at all basis. Rotting food, dirty diapers. Again, yeah, if you're a parent and you're around diapers, and I'm going to tell you the worst thing about dirty diapers, in my opinion, it ain't the poops. It's the pee. When you've got 86 pounds, when that baby just took a fire hose piss into this diaper and you have this just heavy, saggy thing that you stick in the receptacle, a day later, that pee is rancid smelling. It's awful. I would actually prefer, I would reach into the diaper and grab some of the shit and use it to plug my nose so that I don't have to smell the day-old or two-day-old urine-soaked diaper. But of course, I glossed over as I analyzed this, but public bathrooms, as we've already discussed, one of the top ones makes sense to me because it's not so much that you're smelling poo-poo and pee-pee, it's that you're smelling a communal gathering of other people's pee-pee and poo-poo vapors. I tried to think about what my least favorite smell in the world would be. I will tell you, I am not a fan of like malt vinegar. When people just dip their fries into that, not a fan. I I really don't even want to sit at the table with that person because it's going to ruin my meal having to smell that stank ass vinegar. But again, while I won't say that this is necessarily the top because I didn't give it a ton of thought, but a smell I really hate that was not on this list is wet lawn clippings. So if you like rake or mow and then empty the bag from your lawnmower into a paper lawn bag, but there's like three days until trash day and it's summer and you have these wet clippings in there just heating up but staying damp, there is something about that smell that in my opinion is way more rancid than garbage or spoiled food. I don't expect this to actually happen, but if anyone that listens wants to actually go follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or TikTok, you can at Jeff Becomes Jeff and feel free. Send a comment. Let me know. What's your favorite stench? What's your least favorite stank? Who knows? If I see a comment that I would have never thought about before, maybe I'll plug that into the update portion at the beginning of one of the upcoming podcasts. So please go follow me. Please. Jeffy's lonely. All right, boys and girls, I'm going to wrap this one up. As I mentioned, when this episode comes out, it will be the day after the Super Bowl. I'm not going to jinx it by saying the day after this happens or doesn't happen. I'm going to let the events play out. However, in the event that the Bengals win the Super Bowl, you will hear that chant one more time at the very tail end of this podcast. Fingers crossed, who day? Thank you again to everyone who continues to tune in. I love seeing all the new cities and countries pop up. I've gotten a lot of just new cities and country listeners in just the last couple weeks. Not sure why, but I love it. So thank you guys, and I hope you continue to tune in. Please subscribe to my podcast on whatever platform you are listening to it on. If you enjoy the podcast and there's an opportunity to rate my podcast on a specific platform, I would love it if you gave me five stars, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, whatever the rating system is for that particular app. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And 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 I'm and I'm Jeff. <laughs> Inside.
Went to the devil and I prayed And I showed him the mess that I've made And I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over But the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire And said, can you turn the heat a little higher? Cause I've been burned and I've been burned a million times over But he just covered me with water So I went to the Lord of the sea
stings the nostrils. <laughs> <laughs>